0: Oh, love will get you through
1: life. Man. Hey ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Think. It ain't illegal yet. I'm your host, Saint Clinton. On this show, we'll be playing some poetry, spoken word, and other things about political and social issues going on around the world, both past, present, and future, which will hopefully make you think.
2: Wish I could escape Tied to a cape That doesn't fly That doesn't sigh That keeps me locked away That keeps me feeling grey Waiting Waiting shop, waiting for the bus stop, to be moved to another place, where I could hide my face. Waiting for my dinner, waiting to become a winner, waiting for
3: be on the brink, to be in the pink And all I seem to do is stink Like a large church bell Like a large bad smell Like a kind of burning hell Like a beautiful sunny dell uh old brain. This life, it seems to be a smelly drain. This life, it seems to be all rain. This life, it seems to be all sun. seems to be a big hot cross bun
4: When you're seeing uh, such extraordinary numbers of of, uh, casualties and uh, many, many different types of events, it's it's pretty clear that at least some of these are war crimes. People who commit war crimes or similarly abusive actions, they hand the enemy. In the countries where we have a presence, I'm a combative person, so I like crushing bastards. The US free speech tradition is one of our biggest supporters. I mean, in some ways, what we are doing is taking the First Amendment and giving it to the world. There has been more
5: leaked prosecutions of media sources under the Obama administration than all previous presidents combined. That is a highly unusual and concerning shift uh, by the Obama administration uh, into a regime uh, that doesn't believe in the freedom of the press, and doesn't act like it's believes it. It understands that we
4: are a responsible organisation. Real bastards are are people who have power, and abuse their power to uh, afflict people who are weaker than they are.
5: To make us as make it as hard for us as possible uh, to publish responsibly, in the hope that it can get us to not publish anything at all. Because not publishing anything at all would mean not publishing the abuses uh, uh, by that organisation. there was a, a serious attempt to, to get off a, a
4: war uh, with Iran. Real bastards are, are people who have power and abuse their power to uh, afflict people who are weaker than they are. It's the general
5: trend uh, for accountability of the US military is worrying. See things go the other way. They're willing to step forward
4: uh, to give us material. Real bastards are, are people who f- have power and abuse their power to uh, afflict people who are weaker than they are.
6: In southern Montana stood an old western town warlock by name just poor folk and hounds Twas eighteen hundred and sixty-five the wild west so untamed yet so alive fresh from the trail cowboys rode through to water their horses and freshen their crew miss sadie's saloon always open for gents luscious ladies dance on her stage for their rent stagecoaches and wagons with bales of hay rattled past town folk on hot dusty days coffins for hire fronted the undertaker's shop Dry goods and blacksmith were but a short hop. The office of sheriff was a derelict scene. Rifles and six guns, cobwebbed and unclean. Wanted new lawman, a sign on the door. Dried blood and vomit smeared on the floor. From out of hell's heart rode the Barton boys. Four demons on horseback, a town to destroy. Brothers from Yuma who took a blood oath. Bent on revenge for town folk, they loathe. Their faces so scarred in barroom brawls, their teeth so missing from mean drunken falls. Gunslingers who ravaged this town of the west, six sheriffs who challenged became second best. To keep warlock lawless by killing the law, hanging their father had been the last straw. A minister of Jehovah who came just to preach, to witness for God, Warlock's spiritual outreach. Accused by a sheriff of bewitching his child, lynched from an oak tree without mercy or trial six visits to town to now avenge their kin six sheriffs lay dead gunfights they just couldn't win shot in the heart by the brothers of blood six rotting tombstones peer up from town mud a western town with a hell-bound fate a need for some savior before twas too late a medicine man of indian fame with potions and motions to warlock he came an old covered wagon of buffalo hide amulets and charms hung from the side. He spoke with the townsfolk with passion and desire, his eyes ablaze with some holy desire to rid the good people of mayhem and woe with magical talismans that now he would show. For a paltry pound of gold from your mines, your agony of blood will all be left behind. Place my charms on your sheriff's tombstones. An incantation I teach at their graves you shall moan. The townspeople obeyed the magi's advice The spirits of the dead had now been enticed. When the Barton boys rode into Warlock town, they got a greeting from hell, an unholy showdown. What rose from the graveyard was not of this earth, decayed soulless corpses, an ungodly rebirth. A foul meeting at midnight near Mercedes Saloon, blood brothers and ghouls did duel at full moon. The Barton boys fired six guns at very close range, but killing the undead can be so damn strange. Though limbs and body parts did fly through the air, the zombies kept walking to the brothers' despair. A scream from the dark as brains were consumed, their appetite for human flesh had now so mushroomed. The Barton boys eaten, the townspeople cheered. Six dead sheriffs now turned to their next dinner and leered. Only skeletons remain in that old western town. Sagebrush and tumbleweed, a saloon broken down. A strange scent of brimstone on hot summer nights. The corpses of six sheriffs roam warlock by moonlight.
2: Wealth is a man-made measurement of greed. No knowledge or wisdom grows from that seed. Perverted
3: minds enslave the poor forcing them to beg
2: from door to door. Money is not truly real. It's created to suppress all that we feel. Lying and cheating pave the way. So the sickest minds can rule the day. They bully the weak and destroy all beauty spread hate and evil like it's their divine duty. by media voices of control. We rush to consume and sell our souls. Objects and things rule our lives. Money and power are our drives. Insecure and fearful, we seek to fit in. To join the team that will help us win. Slaves to the rich, we obey and perform. In a sort of sleepwalk, we all conform, waiting for others to risk their lives. We sit and hide within our hives. We pretend that everything is okay, hiding. Wasting away our days Hoping that the afterlife will be the one That some god will pity us and hear our song The powerful and rich should rule and control Know what's best to make us whole Let someone else fight for the sick and the poor. We're all happy hiding behind our doors. We don't need to wake up from our sleep. We'll huddle together like a herd of sheep. And the poor starve and the sick die. That's God's job up in the sky. After all, we work and pay our taxes. We'll sleep and live here in our boxes. The rich deserve their wealth and greed. So what if they hurt us? Cut some bleed.
7: goes into pocket of these warlords, lords, criminals, not benefit Afghan people. Mainstream media always they talk about situation of the women in Afghanistan that it improved a lot but, but um, right now in most of provinces of Afghanistan women even they do not have human life. killing a woman that much easier for the warlords like killing a bird. Let me give you a few examples of the catastrophic situation of the woman. For example, uh, recently a 19 year old girl, she uh, has been brutally raped by a head of the provincial council in Kunal province. brave uh, local liar want to this case but she received death threats from this powerful warlords another uh, woman uh, a couple in Ghazni uh, province they has been stoned today they has been killed by throwing stone to them another young Afghan woman in uh, whole province, she has been beaten by lashes. Situation of the woman day by day goes from worse to worse. They are not only women, men and women today, both of them do not have liberation at all, and millions they suffer from injustice, insecurity, corruption, joblessness, poverty. This is not only military war in Afghanistan, this is war of propaganda as well. Cruelty of her husband who cut the nose and ears of uh, Bibi Aisha uh, tell to their people uh, what will happen to the woman if we leave Afghanistan. But it was better if they wrote what's happening to the woman while we are in Afghanistan. Will never uh, help Afghan women. During these nine years of occupation, tens of thousands of innocent civilians has been killed by US and NATO occupation forces. Most of them are innocent women, children and men. Even they use white phosphorus cluster bomb. Democracy never came by military invasion, by support of these misogynist warlords and also Taliban, by a train bomb, by white phosphorus or cluster bomb. When Obama took office, unfortunately, his first news for my people was more conflict, more war, because his foreign policy is quite similar, like criminal Bush even worse because he searched more troops in afghanistan which brought more miseries and more uh, uh, disaster in my country so obama proved himself um, uh, as a warmonger for my people to prove this fact it was during obama's office that Uh, the civilian death toll increased by 24% in the drone attacks in Pakistan has got many innocent lives too. The outcome of the blind bombardment is the innocent civilians massacres, violences, destruction, pains and tragedies. It seems that uh, shedding blood of countless Innocent people was not enough in Iraq and Afghanistan. That now Obama's administration uh, again used the UN as their umbrella to invade Libya as well, under the same familiar false banners of democracy and human rights. And while the US people are suffering as a result of the economic crisis and living conditions are getting worse. The Pentagon wages another brutal war which will only benefit the U.S. corporate and billionaires to loot their, brut- their oil and uh, other riches of the Libya. Supporting much more dirty Kazafis and criminal regimes in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, in Israel, Saudi Arabia and many other countries of the world. released by Wikileaks Proof what we have been saying about war in Afghanistan exposed the treachery policy of the US they kill innocent people under the name of the Taliban then through mainstream media shamelessly decrease the number of civilian deaths and call them insurgents terrorists my people, is a second and dangerous push. He and white terrorist Taliban to join this puppet corrupt mafia regime of Hamid Karzai. If these two terrorists also come in power, the circle of warlords and drug lords and terrorism will be complete. And again, innocent people of my people, my country, especially women, will be the victim. Now, Khazadeh's regime full of the warlords, drug lords, and criminals. According to the Mines Minister, Afghanistan is sitting on around 3 trillion dollars of mineral deposits, but because it's the second most cut country in the world, the income of these mines wouldn't fill the pockets of the government officials and also warlords. And NATO themselves are engaged in this dirty business, which pours hundreds of billions of dollars into the pocket of Western institutions engaged in it. U.S. and NATO tried to fool Afghans and also their own people too by saying that they will start leaving Afghanistan by mid of 2011. But from another hand, the puppet regime of Kaisers is speaking about permanent military base in Afghanistan. We know that they occupied my country because of their own strategic, regional and economic interests and they will not leave Afghanistan soon. They keep the situation of my country lawless and unsafe to have an excuse for you just as loving great people of the U.S. and around the world to stay longer in my country for their own interests. No one can believe that a superpower with massive military machine is really unable to defeat the Taliban, these bunch of terrorists. During these nine years, directly and indirectly, they already supported the Taliban. Taliban already in power. Also, photocopy of the Taliban, these fundamentalist warlords. Now they support Taliban mainly through um, Pakistan. I think justice-loving people of the world agree with me that democracy never comes by bombing innocent civilians, supporting a corrupt government and empowering a bunch of brutal and dark-minded warlords. The Western powers continue to impose this kind of dictatorship under the name of democracy on my people. Our people may have no option but to rise against occupation. Right now, there is two kind of resistance going on in my country. One is the reactionary resistance of the Taliban that always US and NATO, they try to make something out of a mountain, out of molehill. Another is resistance of ordinary Afghan people, resistance of a student of the university, resistance of the suffer, innocent people, men and women who join their hands together with the banner that they have used out of Afghanistan. Now they come on the streets despite there is no security. They raise their voice against occupation. Recently in Kunar province, 64 innocent civilians have been killed by blind bombardment of the U.S. government. We want the end of this occupation as soon as possible. I believe that the only solution to Afghanistan is that the troops should withdraw because their presence is making our fight for justice much harder by empowering Reactionary, brutal, and dark-minded forces that are great obstacles for the true democratic elements. Afghan people now they are squashed between three enemies: Taliban, warlords, occupation forces. With the withdrawal of occupation forces, then my people will face two enemies, two internal enemies, instead of three. be easier for them to fight two enemies instead of three. But no question it will not be easy to struggle. Now my message on behalf of my people to you is this history bears witnesses that only nations can liberate themselves.
2: When I was but a little child, and lived in the kingdom of my parents, and enjoyed the wealth and splendor of those who raised me, my parents decided to send me out on a journey away from our homeland in the east. They did not, however, send me forth without provisions, far from the abundance of our treasury. They gathered a bundle for me, it contained gold, silver, chalcodony, and opal. In addition they girded me with adamant, a metal so strong that it crushes iron. Great was the burden of these provisions, yet light they were also, so that I could bear them alone. My splendid robe of glory, which in their love they had made for me, they now removed from my shoulders, and also the purple mantle that was made to fit me perfectly. And I made an agreement with me, which they wrote on my heart, so that I might never forget it. It read as follows. If thou shouldst go down into Egypt and bring the one pearl to us, which reposes in the middle of the sea, guarded by a roaring serpent, then upon thy return thou shalt resume thy robe of glory and thy royal mantle, and together with thy brother, our viceroy, thou shalt be the heir of our kingdom." I left the East and accompanied by two royal envoys who were ordered to assist me since I was young and needed help on such a dangerous journey. I passed over several lands that lay between the East and the land of Egypt. As I arrived at the border of Egypt, my guardians took their leave from me. Having arrived in Egypt, I travelled to a place that was near to the sea where I knew That the serpent lived. I established myself in an inn, there to await the time when the serpent should sleep so that I might take the pearl from him. I was a stranger to the others who dwelt in the inn. Still, I met a person there who was of my own kind, fair and familiar, and a descendant of royalty. I received a warning from him to guard myself against the Egyptians, for they were unclean. I thus disguised myself, wearing the garb of the Egyptians, so that they might not discover that I was an outsider intent on taking the pearl, and that they might not therefore arouse the serpent against me. Nevertheless, they soon recognized that I was not their compatriot. They feigned friendship for me, and persuaded me to drink of the drink they mixed for me, and of the food they prepared for me. To have thus yielded to the blandishments of the Egyptians became a great calamity for me. I fell into a swoon of forgetfulness, and I no longer knew that I was the child of a king, and I served their king instead. I forgot all about the pearl for which my parents had sent me. My parents in their kingdom were aware of what had befallen me, and they grieved for me. They issued a proclamation and summoned all the Great Ones of their kingdom for a meeting, at which a plan was devised not to allow me to languish in Egypt. They wrote a letter to me, and each of the Great Ones signed it. From thy father, the king of kings, and from thy mother, the ruler of the east, and from thy brother, our viceroy, to thee our child in Egypt, greeting. Awake and arise out of thy deep sleep, and be alert to the message of our letter. Remember who thou art, the offspring of a king, and see whom thou hast served in dark bondage. Remember also the pearl for whose sake thou hast journeyed into Egypt. Remember thy robe of glory and thy splendid mantle, so that the time may come when these may rest again upon thy shoulders and arrayed in them. Thy name may be read in the book of the heroes, and thou shalt become with thy brother our viceroy heir in our realm this letter was a magic messenger unto me my father had so sealed it that it would be protected against the dreadful denizens of the regions that it would have to traverse before arriving in my habitation the letter rose up in the shape of an eagle the king of all birds and it flew until it arrived beside me where i heard its speech upon hearing the message I awoke from my sleep and arose, took the letter, kissed it, broke its seal, and read its contents. The letter read like the words inscribed once upon my heart. I remembered everything. I knew that I was the offspring of kings, and that my soul born to freedom was desirous of being with its own kind. I also remembered the pearl which I had come to Egypt to fetch. Thus I proceeded to enchant the roaring serpent by singing over it in the name of my father, my brother, and my mother, the ruler of the East. I then seized the pearl and turned about to go to my parents. I cast off the impure garment of the dwellers in this land, and I directed my way so as to go toward the light of our homeland, the East. As I proceeded on my way, I was guided by the letter that had awakened me, and as it once aroused me with its voice, so it now guided me with its light, which shone before me. Its voice encouraged me against my fear while its love drew me on. So I went forth and passed through the regions and the cities that lie between the land of Egypt and my homeland, the Kingdom of the East. Then the treasurers, sent by my parents, who for their faithfulness were encrusted with it, brought to me my splendid robe that I had taken off and also my royal mantle. Indeed, I no longer remembered its magnificence, for it was long ago that I had relinquished it in my father's house. But all of a sudden, when I saw it over against me, the splendid robe of glory looked more and more like my own reflection. I saw it as if it were my own self, and the distinction between it and myself melted away, so that we were two in differentiation but one in single union. Even the two treasurers who brought my robe to me appeared as a single person, impressed with one seal of my father's majesty. I thus came to observe further the robe and its splendor. It was adorned in glorious colors. Upon it were gold and many diverse jewels. And its seams were fastened with adamant. The image of the king of kings was depicted. The clever young
8: man who recently made it to the White House is a very fine hypnotist. Obama's very presence in the White House appears to reaffirm the moral nation. He's a marketing dream. But like Calvin Klein or Benetton, he's a brand that promises something special, something exciting, almost risque. As if he might be radical. As if he might enact change. He makes people feel good. He's a postmodern man with no political baggage. And all that's fake. In his book, Dreams from My Father, Obama refers to the job he took after he graduated from Columbia in 1983. He describes his employer as, and I quote, a consulting house for multinational corporations. For some reason, he doesn't say who his employer was or what he did there. The employer was Business International Corporation, which has a long history of providing cover for the CIA with covert action, and infiltrating unions on the left. Obama doesn't say what he did at Business International, and they may be absolutely nothing sinister.
9: worthy of inquiry and debate as a clue to perhaps who the man
8: is. During his brief period in the Senate, Obama voted to continue the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. He voted for the Patriot Act. He refused to support a bill for single-payer health care. He supported the death penalty. As a presidential candidate, he received more corporate backing than John McCain. He promised to close Guantanamo as a priority. Instead, he's excused torture, reinstated military commissions, kept the Bush Gulag intact, and opposed habeas corpus. Daniel Ellsberg, the great whistleblower, was right, I believe, when he said that under Bush, a military coup had taken place in the United States, giving the Pentagon unprecedented powers. These powers have been reinforced by the presence of Robert Gates, a Bush family crony, and George W. Bush's powerful Secretary of Defense, and by all the Bush Pentagon officials and generals who have kept their jobs under a farmer. In the with millions of Americans losing their jobs and homes, Obama has increased the military budget. In Colombia, he is planning to spend $46 million on a new military base that will support a regime backed by death squads and further the tragic history of Washington's intervention in that region. In a pseudo-event in Prague, Obama promised a world without nuclear weapons to a global audience mostly unaware that America is building new tactical nuclear weapons designed to blur the distinction between nuclear and conventional war. Like George Bush, he used the absurdity of Europe threatened by Iran to justify building a missile system aimed at Russia and China. In another pseudo-event at the Annapolis Naval Academy, decked with flags and uniforms, Obama lied that America had gone to Iraq to bring freedom to that country. He announced that the troops were coming home. This was another deception. General George Casey says with some authority that America will be in Iraq for up to a decade. Other generals say 15 years. Chris Hedges, a very fine author of Empire of Illusion, puts it very well. President Obama, he wrote, does one thing and brand Obama gets you to believe another. This is the essence of successful advertising. You buy or do what the advertiser wants because of how they make you feel. And so you are kept in a perpetual state of childishness. He calls this Trump politics.
5: election. Nabanita Bay, a computer science master's student, took part in a fast-paced competition at Princeton University called a hackathon. Bay joined forces with three other students and they developed a Google Chrome plugin that can be used on Facebook called Fib.
7: As you scroll through Facebook, it will tag your posts as verified or non-verified based on if it is a fake content or not. So, if it is non verified, it will show to the user a more verified content.
5: The algorithm takes keywords from a fake news article and searches for other links on the same topic and delivers a fact based summary. Bay and her colleagues made the plugin open source, available for anyone to use or improve. Within five days, at least 50,000 people had checked it out. For New England Public Radio, I'm Nancy.
9: The Judeo-Christian God is a ferociously vindictive, neurotically jealous, intolerant, vainglorious, punitive, sexist, xenophobic, homophobic mass murderer. Uh, We hear again and again that religion is a good thing. religion is being pushed on us at every turn religion gets special privileges tax-free base we taxpayers are indirectly subsidizing religious institutions every time they buy another piece of property, which they can use for religious purposes, that shrinks the secular tax base and we have to pay for it. One could fill volumes with accounts of the harm and evil that religious people have inflicted upon each other, always in God's name. Usually they target people of other religious persuasions or non-believers or even the most vulnerable members of their own faith. Many of these faithful don't brim with the finer impulses. They represent a meaner religious culture with its merciless practice of intolerance, violence, fundamentalist hatred, and exploitation. We can't divorce religion from the things done in its name. just as we credit it for its acts of mercy and charity, so I think we've gotta criticize it for the acts of exploitation and bloody murder perpetrated down through the ages. In April 1995, self-appointed soldiers of Christ bombed the federal building in Oklahoma City, killing 168 innocent people. that Jesus worshipers have attacked abortion clinics, causing millions of dollars in damage, killing several clinic workers and doctors, and seriously wounding numerous others. Throughout the centuries, Christians slaughtered Jews, and Catholics and Protestants massacred each other. In recent times, Christians and Muslims have killed each other in Nigeria In the Philippines. Muslims and Hindus have murdered each other in Kashmir and corralling them into compounds where many of them died from sickness and disease. Believers have warred against believers. Throughout much of the world, missionaries went forth to do the work of the imperialists going into countries, destroying the cultures, undermining the beliefs and practices of the indigenous peoples. Imposing a cruel regimen on people. This happened to American Indians, this happened to native dwellers in the South Sea Islands and in places in Africa. religion was also used as a weapon, very directly as a weapon for subduing and demoralizing the people who were colonized by the imperial.
1: Hey ladies and gentlemen, this is St. Quentin, and we've come to the end of, I think, it ain't illegal, yeah. Back soon with a new episode, and hopefully this episode has made you think and want to make a difference in this world. Now go turn on for the love of poetry, and spoken word,
0: and think.